Hey everyone, welcome to the Wallet Podcast. I'm James Marshall and firstly, thanks to all the responses to my request for an intro or a jingle that I put up on Instagram. I had a lot of messages from people asking me why I don't have a jingle yet. So I thought I'd just chuck it on my Instagram page and see if anyone was keen to give it a go and blown away with the response. I had four attempts straight away in the first half an hour from people, so I had to take it down. So really appreciate the effort from you four guys who were keen to give it a crack. They were all really awesome attempts, but this one is my favourite, so shout out to Alex Malcolm, yes, the legend of Marty Banks, and Alexander Harmer for coming together and creating this jingle. It's been stuck in my head for the last week, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. So this is the What A Lad jingle. Here you go. How good is that? It's been stuck in my head for days, like I said. I'm a big fan of it. Hopefully you guys enjoy that too. But anyway, let's get to today's episode as we have a current star of international rugby scene and he's only 24 years old. This Welsh rugby legend has had an incredible journey to the top, but it hasn't all been smooth sailing for the kid. He first started out at London Irish at the tender age of 18. He then went on to play for England at the Under-20s World Cup where he played a starring role for them. He then moved up to the Newcastle Falcons and he's currently with the Scarlets in Wales where he's obviously playing international rugby for Wales and of course like all my guests he is an absolute lad it is Johnny Williams welcome John boy hey good to be on mate thanks for having me hey what do you think of the jingle mate it's good what a jingle (laughs) (laughs) your head was bobbing you were into it eh? you were were yeah i was loving life i'm loving life it's good to see you mate it's been so long as well hasn't it yeah it sure has been good to see your face on the big screen though i've still been following your career closely and mate you've been going so good it's been awesome to see yeah i know just um the highs and lows of sport i guess you know so yeah i had a little um injury patch recently with my concussion but no back on the pitch now and Hopefully it goes well, mate. Talking about highs and lows, mate, your career has been the ultimate highs and lows, eh? Like, you've hit some real highs in your career and you've hit some real lows, but no doubt we'll get into that throughout the podcast. But how's the Six Nations with Wales been? You guys have been on fire. What's it been like being in that camp? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, Yeah, the training's intense and hard. Um, But yeah, it's a winning camp and it's a good one. So far, so good. Obviously, at the start, I was had the start against Ireland, only played 20 minutes. Um, so that was obviously the high. And then being injured with concussion and stuff, which is, you know, the highs and lows, of course. And But we, we were going really well, winning every game. And it's a, a winning camp, a good camp. And, you know, it was a shame that we pulled up short against France. But, mate, it was, uh, it was a good camp. And so you were available the last couple of weeks, were you? Or have you are you still out with your head knock? No, 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 I'm back fit. So, um, yeah, I was back fit for... Uh, England, Italy and France and just yeah, missed out on selection basically so yeah, good about that but the boys are doing well and there's a winning team so it's hard to get back in once those boys are going well Yeah, and you've also got some quality midfielders over there at the moment too, haven't you? Yeah, really experienced class British and Irish line centres and then Willis Halaholo Did you play, oh, you played with him at the Canes, didn't yeah, you? How good's he? Yeah, yeah, good good feet, good player, good lad. What a lad. What a lad. He needs to <laughs> so, get on here. Actually. What a lad. <laughs> yeah, get him on, get him on. So, yeah, I, I know. So, yeah, tough. Once I had my shot and I had my shot, but I guess only 20 minutes. And it's not like, you know, I didn't go well and I didn't go badly. Not much I could have done in that 20 minutes. But when when the boys are winning and, and going as well as they were, it's, it's hard to, to play myself back in and, with Jonathan Davis and George North. George North's got 100 caps, Jonathan Davis 80, 80-odd caps, so British and Irish Lions, they, they, you know, it's hard to yeah. hard to get in the squad when those boys are going so well. So, Mate, you said you weren't going that well, but you were carving it up. You were even named in Sam Warburton's team to tour South Africa for the British and Irish Lions, starting 12. How good was that? <laughs> Yeah, he took a punt, didn't he? <laughs> a, fa- a, a, a thousand to one outsider, Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, so um, I doubt I'll be in uh, in that. He'd name me in that again, but 
Um, <laughs> you know, if I if I have the game time again, hopefully I can prove that I should be. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, because I know when people get um, put into teams like that, you usually cop more abuse than anything from people like, "Well, what's he yeah. doing in there? Did you cop that?" From <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> nah, not to be honest. Oh, yeah, um, I had a little, I had a look, a look at the, a little look at the comments, but yeah. um, and they were like, "Who is that? <laughs> Who is that?" Um, so yeah, no, I had a good old giggle about it, but no, it was, it was obviously uh, you know from Sam Warburton, you know, really privilege to be named in well in his in his team but yeah it would probably be different now even the like the welsh fans are pretty brutal eh? like um even in the weekend i saw the um post from the rugby yeah. union of the abuse liam williams copped after that game it was all pretty brutal stuff eh? so is it quite a bit of that over there um i've not experienced much of that myself but as you said because it was such a big game and there was so much riding on it obviously and the whole of the nation would have been watching that game. But, you know, it's, it's just still unacceptable, isn't it? You know, to be saying that death threats, the abuse that he, he copped, and not just him, other boys copped, but because sure. he, I guess he is a high-profile player, he did get so much more, but it's still unacceptable. You know, you can't just, I get, obviously, the disappointment of not winning, but it wasn't like, he, you know, I think he got a lot of the abuse for getting the yellow card, but it's not like that alone cost us the grand slam so there's not even that much truth from what they're saying anyway but yeah no i've not experienced yeah that much but i'm sure i'm sure i will <laughs> cop some abuse <laughs> by fans when they're back <laughs> once they know who you are <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> oh but anyway let's crack and uh crack into your journey let's go right back to the start for a young johnny williams what was it what was it like for you growing up um yeah so you know, my dad was my big rugby influence in life. So he, he's he's also the Welsh connection, Welsh speaking. So yeah, so he he obviously got me going into rugby, and yeah, being being around here, London Irish was the was my academy that I was, I was brought up from. So and that's where I met Jimmy Marshall. What a lad! <laughs> so um, so yeah, and since London Irish, then I I transferred then to Newcastle Falcons, and then obviously to Scarlets and. And now doing well to to get into the squad. So, so yeah, it, feel, it feels right that I've, I've I've taken that path and and to play international rugby for Wales because that was my rugby influence through my dad who showed me rugby and also the, the Welsh influence as well. So yeah, so far so good. You've just skipped through your whole career in one sentence. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to bore everyone. You know. <laughs> but so you you obviously made the London Irish at, at eighteen years old. So that's so young to be making your debut for them. Yeah. So how did how did that come about? How did you how did you get into there so quickly? You must have been a schoolboy sensation. Well, so I was at London Irish then and Tom Coventry and Clark Laidlaw were were doing the attack and um a couple of injuries and I was lucky enough to be given a shot in the Challenge Cup against Agen. Yeah. And I got man of match in that game and, and went well. And so s since I had that opportunity, I just kind of ended up keeping the shirt. So, you know, as you said, 18, turning 19. And, and that year was such a big year for us because I think we were, we were bottom of the league looking like we were going to be relegated. So it was almost like I was on such a high from, you know, being being the starter and first year out of school. Yeah. But the pressure was massively on to, to keep keep us up. And it was almost like, you know, at school, you're just having fun, having a crack with your lads. And then it was very much the the scary world of the professional rugby, which was all about winning and staying up. And these are must-win games where it's, I wouldn't say it's enjoyable, but, you know, I was just happy to be there playing in the Prem. So playing against some of my idols. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a wake-up call, chucked in the deep end, as you like. Did you, did you always feel confident going into that environment? Like, Obviously, so young. Were you, were you confident you could compete at that level, even though you hadn't experienced any of it? Um, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I I had doubts. You know, you if you're chucked onto that stage, you're like, am I physical enough? Am I good enough? But within a, within a couple of games, I had I had quite a good start, and I and then you just get the self confidence from that. Yeah. You know? So um, it was almost like I had to prove to myself and to others that I deserved to be there. Um, but I look back on that and I was chucked in massive games, like big re relegation games, so young. And it's, I still consider myself as young at 24, but nice. it, it almost feels like I've got 
that experience in the bank. 100%. And one thing that was very obvious from the outset when you first started was your ability to get guaranteed gain line and lightning quick ball, and you still <laughs> got the best stats in pro footy with those. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just run hard, but <laughs> yeah. So um, with the game plan, it was very much like well, that's what they wanted from the twelve. I don't know if that's what you thought when you you were there. That's what they really wanted, and I thought I did have a lot more to my game, but I never got to show that as much because they just wanted a big crash ball twelve. You yeah, know. Yeah. So I've been doing that from the age of eighteen, and now it's very much like I want to show other parts of my game so hopefully i can i'm doing that you are so then what was it like going from you're already playing in the premiership to then going across to the under 20s what was that like that world cup um again it was almost like i because we were playing premiership and there was a few boys in that under 20 squad who were playing premiership yeah we almost brought that experience with us and i I guess a couple of the boys did look up to us because we had that premiership experience like you said to to add to the group in the six nations um earlier that season i think they came second last and then yeah and then all of a sudden for this for the world cup we had all the premiership boys come in and we just we just added and it went from strength to strength and and we ended up winning the six nations it was almost like thousand to one outsiders (laughs) so good each way good each way and uh yeah, we ended up winning it. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. I look back on that with massive pride, you know, So because yeah. everyone did doubt us after having such a bad Six Nations. But And again, everyone's our age, good nights out after. And, and, and as, as you said, we did get relegated that season. So it was almost like such a negative yeah. to then go to there and win the World Cup. And it was like, right, okay, I can be part of a winning team and add and actually enjoy my rugby a, yeah. a little bit. So it was... Was there a decision for you to make when you decided to play for the England under twenties? Um, so age, my age grade stuff was quite complicated. So yeah, I I ended up playing Wales under sixteens, but I didn't originally make Wales under sixteens or England Southwest. So I got called up to Wales under sixteens through an injury, luckily enough. Um, and then from from Wales under sixteens, it went straight into under eighteens. They they skipped out the under seventeen section. Yeah. So I didn't never got the call up or make it to under eighteens a year early, if that makes sense. Whereas England under seventeens, this is where it might get a bit complicated, but England under seventeens called me up. So I went from Wales under sixteens to then to England under seventeen. Yeah. And then I just stayed in in the England pathway um, since then before then signing for Scarlets and then getting yeah, the call yeah. up to international for Wales then. True. So when you finished that World Cup, were your sights on playing for England? Um it's, it's a it's a tough question because I think that was the that was the natural progression. Yeah. But like I like I said earlier, my dad was a massive influence on me in my rugby career and also him being Welsh and Welsh speaking, that was, that was the influence to go and play for Wales. Yeah. So he had a debenture and a millennium. And so he, he used to take us as a kid to go watch Wales play every single game. And it was being in the stands watching with him was the reason I wanted to be on that pitch was yeah. watching Wales play rugby. Yeah. So obviously Wales sort of born and bred and things got in between that. I guess that was the nat- natural progression, but feels so good and feels so right. And it's almost like it's come around that I'm finally on the pitch in the Principality Stadium playing for Wales. Yeah. When that was why I wanted to play rugby, you know, yeah. it being in the stand with my dad watching Wales play. And I remember as a young kid saying, I really want to be on that pitch playing. And yeah, ever since then, it, it just feels so right that I'm doing that now at the Principality for yeah. Wales. I can't explain it. How good is that? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's as you said, it's it's come a long way and it's gone in, in a roundabout way, and it's not been a straight path to the top. But you know, it does feel feel right that I'm now playing for Wales. Yeah. So we'll go back to your London Irish because you got you talked about the relegation, then you got promoted, and then you got relegated again. Talk me through the <laughs> emotions of those couple of years. Um, 
yeah, really, really tough. When I was when I was eighteen and playing again, I was just happy to be playing, and I was it was almost a compliment that I was starting at such a young age in the Premiership and in the deep end. Now, yeah, getting relegated, awful news, whatever. But we had a great year in that champ. That's when you came, wasn't it? That year yeah. in the champ. <laughs> yeah. What a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there's some good time offs, good good piss ups in that year. Um, but ultimately, you, d- you don't want to be you don't want to be there for too long. You want to be in the big time in the prem. But yeah, we 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 weren't able to do it um, and stay up. So I then went to Newcastle Falcons then, um, where it was, it was good up there and relegated again <laughs> <laughs> what was the reason behind your decision to go up to newcastle did you have the opportunity to stay or go anywhere else and what was the deciding factor to head to newcastle um so that year newcastle came fourth um you know champions cup rugby playing a really good brand of rugby i felt like that was the massive difference from us at london irish we were quite physical um and a, and a real strong uh kicking game plan around the time <laughs> <laughs> that's to put it politely weren't it <laughs> we loved it we, we hated we hated playing rugby at London Irish, but I love my time there um so yeah going to Newcastle they they you know play from deep um like love getting their hands the backs hands on the ball um and I just felt like it would really improve me as a player um and just and just getting a fresh fresh start almost um you know that was my only rugby rugby influence as an academy and as a as a team that's the only thing i've seen so all my opinions and all my thoughts i guess were that was how to how to play so i needed you know like a fresh set of eyes and a new way of looking at the game i felt which would only add another string to my bow as a rugby player yeah how'd you go up there yeah it went went well um from from a rugby point of view, yeah, it was really good, going really well. Um, from a from a personal point of view, but as again as a team, we we did struggle that season. So you made the, is it, am I right in saying you made the English team to play the Barbarians while you're at Newcastle? Is it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I guess the Barbers. Yeah, Twickenham. So how was that? Um, again, really good week. Um, so our attack coach at Newcastle ended up coming in and taking the attack for England that week. So I knew, again, how we wanted to play. And so I guess I could, as a player, drive that coming into that to that England squad. But yeah, it was, it was a good week. It was a quite a chill, relaxed week because it was two weeks after the end of the season. Yeah. So they knew we had a heavy socials celebrating the end of the season. <laughs> um, so it was quite a relaxed week. Yeah. Um, and then playing against the bar bars it was quite an open game so i was i was so tired because <laughs> it was so open and we've been on the piss for like two weeks so yeah. um but no it was a good it was a good camp and it was a good week and then uh a real setback hit you didn't it and t- what was it 2019 you got diagnosed with testicular cancer so that you've gone from the high of playing as close as you can get to international rugby to um being hit with that bombshell how was that and how did you find out about that um that was a real tough time in my life mm. i guess um of course it was uh and it's it's, it's quite a long story but I, I guess we've got time and we jim we've got as long <laughs> as you want we can make it a mini series so yeah yeah so um i knew there was a problem basically i was in the bath and i knew i had um my my testicle was um was hard basically and i knew it wasn't right you just know your body you know um so i went to just a local gp um had some tests they said right fair enough you need a scan so i ended up playing in that england game and having the five weeks off and that's for summer you know so in the back of my head i was told no lumps or bumps i just need a scan so i kind of put it to bed for that five weeks enjoyed my five weeks and came and, and went back to my, my parents' house in Reading. In that time, in the back of my head, I knew I needed a scan. So I went somewhere to get a, uh, a referral for a scan. They checked it and said, no lumps or bumps. I think this is fine. But also, we can't refer you to a scan. I said, well, this is pointless. And so, again, I was twice I'd, I was told that there was no lumps or bumps, but it was hard. So there was nothing to worry about. 
but you know your body, you know it's sore and achy, and I knew it was hard. So once I've gone back to Newcastle, this was this was three months after now. I've left it for three months. Jeez. It had swollen up a bit bit larger, and it was it was we did um we did a contact session, and I got like a slight knock on it, and it must have been aching for about an hour after I was in agony. And I, I just knew that something really wasn't right and I needed to go and see the club doctor. Yeah. So I just dropped my pride, went and saw the club doctor, dropped him a message saying, you need to have a look at this. So he he checks back pretty quickly saying, come to, come to my clinic ASAP. Um, I've got five minutes till I go home. So I, I rushed to his. Um, he had a look at it, said, how long has it been like this for? I said, it's been like this now for about three months. He was like, Jesus Christ. All right, we'll get you in for a scan. Booked in tomorrow morning, so went 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 for the, my scan. Just you know, getting my <laughs> getting the scan done, having a bit of a laugh with him and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, he puts what's it called the ultrasound. ultrasound. He's, he's finished with the ultrasound, <laughs> and um, he was like, "I think you, you've got a massive tumor in there." Um, it was it was forty four mil tumor. So oh, wow. he, he explained this to me. But like we've gone from having a laugh to right, you've got a forty-four millimeter tumor in your testicle. Do you know what I mean? So it was almost like a what? Like okay. Yeah. So I didn't really know how to take that. He said, Don't panic, it might not be um cancerous. Um you you'll go to the oncology and they'll give you um they'll they'll tell you the results and the next steps. So again, straight away booked in for the next day then with oncology. Um they said, I, I see these every day. Obviously, that's his job. So he said, this is 99% malignant. I didn't know what malignant meant at the time. So I was just, you know, straight over my head. But what is it? Like, <laughs> what, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. It basically means cancerous. So oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, once it was obviously broken, broken down to me, I, the hardest part was tr- telling my parents that I've got testicular cancer and what that meant for me in my career, the question marks over that. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really hard time, real, real, real bad time for me. But looking back now, it's, it's just made me a stronger person. Jeez, that's crazy. Did it ever feel life threatening? No, not, not, not to be honest, because we had two guys at London Irish who, who had testicular cancer, um, and they were brilliant for me. Yeah. They gave me a lot of advice. Andre Quinn. Did you meet Andre at London Irish? Andre was a lad. Yeah. Oh, what a lad. Yeah. So he, he helped me massively with my preparation for the, the chemotherapy, um, all the advice in the world. So he, he, he helped me massively and, um, you know, I literally saw him go through it firsthand. And so I knew it wasn't life threatening as such, yeah. but his, he did downplay it a little bit, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> he, he did massively downplay it. And so, um, it was ten times harder than I than I thought it was going to be going through the especially the chemo side of it. I think that was the hardest side of it. Yeah. Beforehand, the surgery it was almost like a mini injury. It was like the surgery removal of the testicle, and then I was told if it's not cancerous, I could be back in the club and rehabbing within within a month. True. And I was like, oh right, this isn't too bad. Yeah. Um, but once oncology said we recommend chemotherapy and going through that and what that meant and it was completely different nothing can ever prepare you for that i guess and how mentally tough that is um so so yeah i ended up going through that i had one cycle but one cycle was four days on a 24 7 drip of chemotherapy and then a week after another half an hour and then a week after that another half an hour yeah so that's one cycle um and yeah probably yeah definitely the hardest time of my life so far yeah what is it about the chemo is it like what it does to your body or is it just like yeah what's it actually like so it just it just made me it just knocked me for six um just really ill like you've got like the worst bug you know i felt nauseous the whole time like i couldn't move really out of bed um wanting to be sick or just feeling like I was going to be sick, but I wasn't oh, yeah. actually sick, which is even worse. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, can't yeah. get it out. Yeah. And even when you're off it, you have spikes in energy. So I, I might, I might have a visitor, for example, my, like my parents or my mum or dad or 
or friends from the club, like the Falcons boys came up and saw me quite a fair bit. So they'd come and see me and I'd get a little spike in energy and park up a little bit. But the minute they, they would go, I'd absolutely crash and I'd just sleep and sleep and sleep. But I felt even worse then. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, wanting to be sick the whole time, literally couldn't even turn over that ill. Crazy. Um, and once that, that was the four days in hospital, but even leaving hospital for the week after, it was just, I couldn't get off the sofa. I had to isolate because my white blood cells were really low. So I'm, yeah, used to isolating now, but because of that. <laughs> but uh, no, as I said, it's a real, real hard time. But yeah, it did send me for six. I wasn't prepared for that because uh, I guess I've never seen it. I didn't even know how chemotherapy was taken, I guess. Um, I was kind of quite blind to all that side of things. But yeah, nothing can prepare you for that that news and what I went through with that. Would it have been any different if you got onto it early, if you got that scan straight away? Would anything have been different? Yeah. So they said I needed the chemo because it started spreading the cancer cells had spread into the blood vessels basically. So if I did catch it earlier, yeah, I wouldn't have needed chemo. I would have had the surgery, you know, and just rehabbed it, rehab the surgery and be back playing. And it would have been, you know, over my head and quite naive about it. Yeah. But yeah, because I, I did leave it for three months, not, not necessarily to my fault, but because I was told there was no lumps or bumps. Um, yeah, it ended up being three months, and then all of a sudden it started to spread, and then I needed the chemo from there. Yeah. So yeah, that's why around the the awareness part of it, which I feel like my role is now, yeah, is to to raise awareness for testicular cancer, but all cancers, and even if one, I've had quite a lot of messages since since I've spoken out on the facts and yeah. tried to do that. Um, how common testicular cancer is in men? Yeah, and so. Yeah, I feel like that's 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 my part and that's what I can add other than just, you know, rugby, rugby, rugby. It gives me a purpose other than rugby as well, which yeah. is which is good. So what stopped you from going to see your team doctor at the start? Um, just pride, really, just because I, I knew him. Yeah, and just I didn't fancy it, him seeing my bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just went to a GP who I didn't know and, well, two GPs who I didn't know who said, no lumps or bumps but yeah i just thought ah oh, it's easy after the three months went by and i've seen two doctors it was then the best thing just to get the club doctor who's yeah who was better and he, he was really concerned yeah i should have done that a lot earlier in hindsight and what what's the key to finding it early what is it just any abnormalities in your testicles yeah because the doctors said no lumps or bumps and they were looking for the lumps or bumps but yeah. I didn't have lumps or bumps. I had the the firmness, um, which is which is abnormal. So yeah, any ab- abnormalities to look out for and and be quite strict and ask the questions. Like they're obviously not always one hundred percent correct, if you know what I mean. So yeah. so pressure them, ask the questions, um, get answers. True, but then obviously you had an amazing recovery and you were back playing. How long was it before you were back playing? Um, so I finished chemotherapy on the 8th of october yeah and i was back playing in january true how was that i guess rehab from that or like recovery to build back into being a professional rugby player again did you lose much weight etc um i didn't to be honest um i i tried to do as much as i could um so once i finished the chemo it was, it was quite hard because as i said i had the energy highs and lows from that um and i had to isolate as well so i was almost doing body weight stuff from home if i felt good enough to i didn't force that on on myself so as soon as my isolation period stopped after about a month it was or five weeks i think i could slowly return to the club um but keep my my time at the club quite limited so i literally just gym and a small small return to running program um and just build it out from there, really. And how did you go when you were back out there? Did you feel like the old Johnny Williams? Oh, yeah, Lazarus. I felt like Lazarus. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> Finally being able to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was a good good performance when I when I came back. Um, well, I was just happy to be playing again, you know. You go from 
from a hospital bed and realizing there's other things to rugby yeah to to finally being able to enjoy training and just enjoy playing again for for what it is and and really appreciate what what i do for a living which is just playing um so it was just good to be back playing really and not having the pressure on performance just just going out there and just doing me i guess Doing you, how good. And then you obviously spoke about your Scarlet's move a little bit before. It was brought upon by um, COVID and then a massive offer from Scarlet's, huge coin, and you just couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I signed middle of lockdown, so tiny coin. <laughs> <laughs> Had you finished at um, Newcastle? Yeah, I was out of contract, yeah. yeah. So... Um... Yeah, great opportunity arise at the Scarlets, um, which which I couldn't refuse. And was Wales part of that deal? Was did you have anything about Wales included in that offer or no? No, absolutely none. No. So I thought if I could go to Scarlets and try and nail the twelfth spot, um, I thought I could. I, I'd hopefully get into the team quite quite quickly i had a goal the summer tour yeah um the one the one coming up but i was named in the autumn squad which was a massive shock i didn't think i'd get in that quickly but yeah that's that's what i mean by the opportunity at scarlet's and obviously i put two and two together and i thought it was, a, it was a great opportunity to go and play for wales but i didn't think it would come as quick as it did yeah and how was it going into that environment international setup um different hard um the training the intensity of it definitely jumps up the pressure as well because what like Wales and rugby's under the microscope i guess um at the minute in with covid and obviously the press um everybody wanting to know what's going on in camp who's doing well the pressures of performance just it goes up tenfold from from the regional rugby, I guess. Yeah. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy it because I loved it. It was, yeah. it was really good. And that was my goal, as I said, from the start to to get to that level and, and, and play for Wales. So, no, it was amazing. Did you cop any flack from the English media or, or the Welsh media about doing that move? Because obviously a lot of people would have thought you were sort of on the frame for England and then you were, you're probably one of the closest players to playing international rugby for two, two countries. Um. I, I not that I read. Yeah. I I was quite self conscious of it at the time. Um, but once the once the um, the announcement was made, I guess people put two and two together that yeah. I was going to play international rugby for for Wales, but without the promise. It wasn't like I was promised that. Yeah. Um, so I guess people were saying that I was going over there just like to play for Wales. So yeah, people did put two and two together and. A lot of people were saying <laughs> that I don't deserve it after playing in, in that England game and stuff. So, but not that I, I stayed away from it. I didn't. I didn't look at it. I didn't read the comments because um, just I, I know that would affect me massively. So, um, I yeah, I stayed far away from it. And once I started playing for Scarlets and playing well, it it it'd gone. And people were saying I should be playing for Wales. So. Yeah. It comes and goes just as quick, so stay away from stay away from the hate. <laughs> <laughs> Haters will always hate, eh? But yeah. then, how was it? How was your debut? How was it leading up to your debut? The first time you got named and leading into that first game, how was that? Yeah, um, huge, huge game. Again, massive pride. I felt like after everything I'd been through, it finally all lined up. Um, you know, it was it was ser- seriously scary times with. The cancer stuff and then the COVID thing, um, wondering where I was going to play my rugby, but it just all, you know, the stars aligned for the opportunity and I took it. So, yeah, it was massive and, and seeing how proud my family were for that, um, it was just a shame they couldn't be there because they'd seen how much hard work I've put into it as well. So, um, but no, it went well. We won. Um, it was a miserable night yeah. <laughs> in the rain. So the rugby that was played wasn't that great, but. Um, yeah, the occasion was massive, and it was it was it was a moment I'll never forget. So, what's it like playing your international debut with no crowd? It's sort of sort of not how you'd picture it, eh? <laughs> no, I know, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, I pr- pictured it at the Principality, and we ended up in Parker Scarlets as well. So, um, 
but yeah, no, it was, it was, as I said, it was a great game. It was, yeah. it was, a, it was a time I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, as a shame, the crowd weren't there. Eighty thousand fans going mental, yeah. but instead, Matt Man his dog. Have a go. <laughs> <laughs> and then going forward a wee bit, you, I wanted you to talk about your game against England because obviously um, that would have been a interesting one for your emotions going up against a lot of your ex teammates and people that you've been really close with throughout your career. How was that? How was that game? Yeah, so I was obviously really, really nervous for the game. Um, selected to start. Again, I had, you know, not not so much doubts, but question marks if I could, you know, really play at this level. So, yeah, played Georgia, played well in Georgia, but, you know, dis- no disrespect, but the standard of opposition obviously rose and I'd be asked loads more questions in my, all, in my whole game. So, yeah, it ended up going really well. It ended up going well. Um, we, we didn't get the win, but, yeah, it, it ended up going... Pretty, pretty well, to be honest. So humble, eh? You're still very humble. Humble lad. <laughs> Such a humble lad. You're on fire that game. Yeah, no, it was... Um, there we go. I had to put in a lot of tackles, that's for sure. <laughs> we didn't have much of the ball. But, so my defence was asked, asked a lot of questions. So. True. But yeah, no, it was a good game. And you usually rate your games on how much guaranteed game line lightning quick ball you got, so it must have been hard for you to judge. I know, and I didn't get much that game. <laughs> but I put some bigots. That's, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but are you now feeling really comfortable in the Wales environment? You feel like you sh- you're a part of the squad now and you're comfortable in there? Yeah, so, yeah, two camps. Um, definitely starting to feel yeah more at home in, in the camp. Um, but again, you never want to be too too comfortable in that environment there's always someone you know one in your spot in there but yeah no definitely being familiar with the surroundings and the hotel and and how things work um but yeah as i said everyone's after a spot in that camp so you can't get too comfortable yeah for sure and one thing we haven't even talked about yet is your time at scarlet so how how was it going to scarlet's what was what was different about there i know they're pretty heavily attacking side so um you must have enjoyed that yeah yeah, exactly. Um, similar to, to Newcastle and the way we attack, which was get our hands on the ball, get the backs hands on the ball, um, which I felt like suited my my game. Um, I felt like I, I could show what I could do there. Um, and I'm loving it there. The lads down there are great. Facilities down there are amazing. Yeah, the boys are class. Just just loving it down there, mate. It's, it's yeah, really good. A few good Kiwi lads there too. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd you know down that? Johnny McNichol. He's there, isn't he? Yeah, what a lad. <laughs> what a lad. He listens to the podcast. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. He listens to it. Oh, I have to get him yeah, on, of course for sure. Does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely get him on. Blake Thompson? Yep. Another lad? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get him on, boy. <laughs> oh, skillful right. player. Yeah. What a skillful player. What a player. What a player. He's playing for Scotland now. Yeah, we've right? got some good players down there. Yeah, yeah. He's up Scotland. Um... I think he's concussed at the minute. Oh, so he's, he's, had a, he's had a bad yeah. run with concussion, eh? Yeah, I've heard that um, in the past, but he's a, he's a great player. He'll be back. He'll and, be back. and you replaced the GOAT, Hadley Parks, didn't you? You're a big fan of Hadley Parks. Oh, Paxi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a sh- um, yeah, I didn't get to, to meet or meet him, so I don't know him, but oh. yeah, I've heard fantastic things about him. He was a great player and great lad. <laughs> you, two, you two would have got along like a house on fire, you two. <laughs> you gotta get him on. <laughs> oh, so many people, so many lads, eh? <laughs> I know, I know. So many seasons coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. But anyway, what's your plans going forward? Have you have you got much of a plan? How long are you with Scarlets? Um, so I signed a three-year deal. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 comfortable there. You know, I could see out my career there. To be honest, I'm loving it. Um, you know, it's, it's closer to home than it was at Newcastle. So I see family, um, I see family a lot more than I do, which is which is great. Yeah. Um, living in Cardiff and doing the commute, so I love Cardiff. My my girlfriend Hannah loves Cardiff. Um, yeah, just loving it, mate. It's it's going well. So yeah, see 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 myself being at the Scarlets for a while. True, and you're you're only 24. That's real hard to believe. And how's the body? Have you is your body feeling still pretty fresh and young? You got a, you got another 10 years left in you. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes I feel like a thirty-year-old, but <laughs> after games, when I'm when I've got that gain line and guaranteed quick ball. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. I think um, yeah. If you do your recovery right, and um, you know the lockdown as well would have put 
couple of years of my old 24 <laughs> year old body so but yeah body's fine mate yeah. so as yeah. i said i'm still 24 still hopefully got 10 more years left in it oh what a career that's gonna be man i can't wait to follow that have you have you got any plans uh after 40 have you started looking at that or you're just gonna probably you'll probably retire straight after 40 with the amount of money adrian's made. yeah well this is it i want to be a wealth manager financial advisor because i feel like i could do a better job than them <laughs> <laughs> and he's making serious money <laughs> talk to me about your time with adrian Wow. There's not much to say because he didn't do anything. (laughs) Hopefully, yeah, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. (laughs) That's all I got to say, mate. Jesus, he took my money and ran. (laughs) (laughs) The financial advisor. So you're not still with him now? I've just got a new one in Cardiff who looks after all the Wales boys and the boys rave about him. So I thought, God, I got to jump ship. (laughs) Just like you did. (laughs) I got out straight away. I saw the the red lights. (laughs) Yeah, you saw it. I was there like too scared to bloody offend him, even though he's losing me so much cap. So I finally pulled the plug. But yeah, I've got a new one now. Oh, nice. But what about after footy? Have you got have you got any plans? What What would you love to do? No, yeah, I, I was being serious. I would love to be a financial. Oh, do you actually? Holy <laughs> heck! Yeah, yeah, a wealth manager. Yeah, so oh, I got. Um, I've just started the course um, with CISI. So yeah, I've literally just started that last week. Oh, um, that's gonna be good. So yeah, so I would, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'm doing a property development alongside now in in, in Reading and. Hopefully that gets finished soon, and just and just keep building for for the property portfolio, oh, um, wealth management. Would you be able to look after my money? I haven't got yeah, much. All but... that cash. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> too much money, man. I can't look after all of it. Well, I lost it. Adrian took it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he spent it in half. Didn't he? he lost half of it. <laughs> Oh, what a journey! What a career! Like we said at the start, so many ups and downs. Jeez, what a what an absolute journey! Yeah. But as always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, and like all international rugby stars, you've come up with so many questions. First question: Does he like a cider with an overhead clap? <laughs> Is that who's that from? Are that's, you allowed to say who it's from? Yeah, that's from Willis Hallaholo. What's that one all about? <laughs> Is it from Willis? Uh, basically, someone in the Welsh squad had a video from a stripper completely naked and they had their legs wide open like this and she just slammed her legs like that. So we just we just copy it and we just do the overhead clap. So that's what the overhead clap is, is this video from a naked stripper. But yeah, so the, the side of it, I don't know, because I hate cider, but yeah. That's to give that context. That's, um, Willis was in the room, but I won't I won't say who who the video was sent to anyway. Oh Jesus! It wasn't Willis, by it the way. It wasn't like... it wasn't too. Oh, I, I know it wouldn't be Willis. He's a good kid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How long do you spend doing your hair before games? Uh, five minutes. No, that's that's too long. See, nah, nah, <laughs> just a little, little bit. Look good, play good is the motto. So just a little bit, little what, bit. What's your hair routine though? So what? What's the process? Because it does um, look good. Li- yeah, just a shower. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of little bit of product in, not too much. And that's me. That's me. But yeah, the boys obviously must think I uh, spend a lot of time hair hair drying it and hair blowing it, but no, that's not me. That's you, not me. You got a nice thick lid, I think. That's the that's the thing, eh? But yeah, it is thick. Snake it is thick. I go jealous. to the barbers. Yeah, I go to the, I go to the barbers and get it thinned out. Meanwhile, you can do with something. <laughs> you should send them all of your thinned out bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, off the floor at the barbers and just put it all together and put it on his head, glue it to his head. <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate it. <laughs> snake of speaking of snake of, he's sending a question. Has your builder? Oh, what a lad! <laughs> has your builder sued you for nearly killing him yet? <laughs> no he hasn't I, so to give this context um, I've got a house that I'm doing up in Reading save a bit of cash I thought I'd do some well I'd help out basically with my dad and the builder and there's an outbuilding at the back that's big breeze blocks um, so we were on the back wall and you know hammering down this, this wall but he last second as this wall's about to fall down decides to, to go inside the building <laughs> 
So we pushed this wall onto it, <laughs> this massive breeze blocked wall. And like one breeze block lands, claps him in the back of the head, scrapes all the way down him. And there's already breeze blocks on the floor. So he lands on all the other breeze blocks that are already on the floor. And then this massive wall just come tumbling on his head. I was in shock. I thought I killed him. And my dad just didn't, didn't give a fuck. He was casual as you like. Like, you're right. His name's Stu. You're right, Stu. I'll go get you a bit from the co-op to say sorry and meanwhile i was like oh my god i almost killed this guy i was in shock and shaking but yeah that, that's uh, I, he's got a good memory snake oh, oh, he does, doesn't he he loves it yeah was, was still right yeah. though is he is he still your builder <laughs> he does bits and bobs now he won't take on massive projects after that no Walter especially if I'm involved he, he stays away if I'm involved he'd do it on his own but if I'm there no, he's not, he won't do it oh classic oh that's a good one so next one what's your favourite social this will be good because you've, you've mentioned a few few diesel ups and you've, you're obviously a big man on the diesel you go well you go good you go hard what's your favourite one yeah well we've had a, we've had a few good ones haven't we um there's always a standard fancy dress one that's good we had a really good one at london irish where do you know the one where we did the city slickers going on the boat through oh, town do you yeah, remember that yeah. one i do i, yeah. I love that one yeah. i remember scott Steele giving the middle finger to all the all the oaps on the side <laughs> <laughs> giving the middle finger and then we literally just pulled up next to him <laughs> got off the boat next to him and it was just so awkward. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a real good night out. Um, so, but again, I can do, you can do loose or you can go and have a real good posh night out as well where, yeah. you know, you've got to be smarter dressed to go to some nice clubs. Yeah, well, that's the but thing yeah, about you. Yeah, you, I'm, ver I'm versatile. You're a very versatile social man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can pull it all off. How good. Okay, next one. If there was one other club around the world, who would it be that you could play for? I love watching Super, so probably Crusaders. Oh, wow. I thought it was coming. Nah, nah, nah. You love probably Crusaders. Yeah, I love titles. <laughs> and getting relegated. <laughs> so I'd probably get the Crusaders relegated, even though they can't. Oh, good one. Okay. Who's the hardest player you've had to tackle? Um, I remember Nathan Hughes almost knocked me out. It was like um, our line out. So obviously 10 back, 10 back. And turn over straight to him off the line out and he had a good 20 meter run up from the, at me and i thought oh my god do i step out of the way or do i just go part of this so i tried to chop him as low as i could and i think i almost died wrong option <laughs> yeah you should have chosen option a <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um he's one that comes to mind straight away yeah um yeah, Manny Tulangi, uh, obviously really hard. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably go with those two. Yeah, nice, good options. Okay, who's the best player you've played with? This is an interesting one. You've played with some greats. Yeah. Uh, if you give me a minute, I'll, I'll just try to think. Man, I've got to say, you, you've got, you, you're up there, Jimmy. Oh, come you're on. <laughs> yeah, the way you spoke about the game, like, it just opened my eyes, you know, like... We had Brendan Venter, obviously, we are knocking the door down. But, <laughs> yeah, the way you spoke about the game and how we wanted to play was was how I wanted to play. So I saw eye to eye with you on that. Oh, that's good. Um, People think this is a stitch up of I'm you out, so you need, you need someone good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, being at Scarlet's and being a centre, Jonathan Davis outside me, he's, yeah. he's been a real good mentor for me. Um and with his experience, uh, he's he's up there. We we've got some really good big internationals, British and Irish lines at the Scarlets. So I, I could name I could name a few of those boys who are really good with their prep, um, really professional, but they also deliver on the pitch. So I could I could name several from from London Irish, Newcastle, and Scarlets really. Um, but I would be here all night. So many, so many good players. Who's the best player in the world? Do you think at the moment? I would have to say Semi Rodrada oh. uh, or Dupont, but 
Yeah, I just watched Semi Rodriguez's game, and not only is he impossible to tackle, but he looks like he's got really good hands. I've heard he's really professional. I've heard, yeah, and I've seen how how much he carves up his offloading game. Yeah, his, his handling's good. I I, I just think Semi Rodriguez, but as well, do the way Dupont manages the game, and he, he's flary as well. So. Mm. I'd probably, I'd probably say those two. Oh, a couple of good options. No Kiwis there. Interesting. Richie Mwongo's oh, up there, yeah, to be fair. Was... Richie Mwongo. I thought he was going to be your answer. Unbelievable. I know you love yeah, the Crusaders. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching the Canes. He's a good footballer, <laughs> isn't he? Um, but nah, Redrada. Redrada. Fair enough. Okay. Redrada. This is a good one. How have you handled setbacks throughout your career? Obviously, you've had a few, some really significant ones. What's, what's the key to handling them? And how I handle it is by remembering what's important, but also then having the goal. So in that time, it was being around my family and friends because I was deprived of that being at Newcastle. So spending time with them, but then having the goal to, to get back to rugby as soon as I could to get to the top level. So that for me, those two things were massive in my, in my biggest setbacks. Nice. Jeez, that's good. Okay. Last question. What's the best piece of advice you've had throughout your career? Um, this is this is a bit of a random one, but when I was when I was younger, um, I probably lost sight of the goal a little bit, and the teacher, my PE teacher, who loved rugby, was was also my my county coach, and he could see that I was a talent, but he could tell I'd lost a little bit of focus to get there. Um, and he just he just sat me down once and was just he he said that what he thought and that I could get to the top and all this sort of stuff. But he said you you don't want to be that guy at the bar who's gonna say I could have made it yeah. and I should have made it and and is now just saying to everyone I didn't make it because of X Y and Z and had every excuse under the sun of why I should have made it basically. But I had that chat when I was about 15 and it really hit home because I've, I've seen that around the rugby clubs that I was at where they, they, they were saying they were really good and they used to play for X, Y and Z, but some injuries held them back, you know? Yeah. And so once he said that to me, it, it, um, it really opened my eyes and why, why I wanted them to regain focus. So it wasn't so much of advice, but he did sat me down and gave me a bit of a bollocking and said, you could get to the top here, stop pissing about, basically. Jeez, that is that is some of the greatest advice we've had. Yeah, that's so good, because so many yeah. guys that tell you know. how close they got to becoming a professional rugby player. I know. Oh, my knee just yeah. locked or, up or, one or time. Footballers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So even, you, you hear that all the time. You hear it all the time, but... Even at 15, I knew what he was on about. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't want to be that guy at the bar. Oh, I could have been there. No, that's not me. I am there. Oh, I like it. Great advice. What a way to finish. Uh, absolute great podcast. John Boy, you're an absolute legend. It's been awesome to see you go through your journey and get to the Wales international side. It's been awesome to see. I obviously love playing with you at London Irish. Love playing off lightning quick ball and getting that guaranteed gain line. You did it every time. You're an absolute legend. And <laughs> I'm looking forward to following your journey as you progress. Hopefully, I'll see you out there for the British and Irish Lions in South Africa. How good would that be? But if not, I'm sure you'll, you'll get to some massive highs throughout your career. And yeah, like yeah. I said, looking forward to following you. So thanks for giving up your time yeah. and coming on. What a lad. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, mate.